second season of the Reach Next Generation podcasts. I'm Grace Jeffries and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking with successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they faced throughout their careers, how they became them and what tips they for girls of my age. Today we have a very special guest. General Sharon Nesmith is the only female Major General in the British Army right now, and she is only the second woman to hold that rank. Sharon is also the first woman to command an operational brigade and to be on the Army's executive board. Wow, you've achieved many great things. Thanks for joining me today, Sharon. Can we start by you telling us all how your career took you to where you are today? Yes, thanks, Grace. Thank you ever so much for inviting me. Um, Slightly nerve wracking experience, if I'm honest. Um, uh, But I'm I'm really pleased to be able to share some of my um, my history, how I got to where I am. Uh, Hopefully it might inspire someone to do something similar. Um, Or maybe I'm not that inspirational. I started in a very, very ordinary childhood. I, um, I was a very happy child. I went to my local um, comprehensive school. Um, I had a love of outdoor life. Uh, I didn't like to do the norm. Um, I liked to be feeling like I was under a little bit of pressure. I liked teamwork. Uh, to cut a long story short, when I was when I was only about 15, I think, I saw an advert for army scholarships, which meant that I could be um, sponsored through my, my A-levels. Um, and I thought, I'll give that a go. And uh, it is pretty much history from there. I went through a reasonably um, testing process to be selected, but I was very fortunate that I did. Um, and that was the start of my army career. Well, did you go to university and how important do you think it is to go? Because in the UK, there are so many new apprenticeships open right now in mm. some companies. Oh, do you know, Grace, I think that is a great question. Um, and I have this conversation a lot. I have two sons, two teenage sons. Um, and I think sometimes there is almost like a default setting of uh, university is the next thing to do after being at um, school and your education. Uh, and when I look now at the breadth of things that you could do, I'm desperately trying to say it's not the only thing. Uh, I did go to university uh, and I had a fabulous time. Uh, of that, there is no doubt. Um, I was sponsored through university um, by the army, which meant that I didn't have the heavy loans that quite a few of my friends did at the time. Um, and it's a lot more difficult now, I think, at university to, to kind of make ends meet. So what I say to my sons is you have to be really clear why you would go to university rather than do one of the brilliant apprenticeship schemes that is out there. If it's like a profession that you need to do it, brilliant, Billy boots, off you go. Uh, just have a look elsewhere um, because there are some really, really good. You know, we in the army, we do a lot of we put a lot of investment into our apprenticeship scheme. Um, we really value the fact that someone can be delivering and contributing to the outputs of the organisation uh, at the same time as furthering their own training and education. Brilliant. It's like a win win. Well, when you were at school, and say about my age, I know that you had a love of outdoors, love doing teamwork, but did you ever know that you wanted to specifically work in the army before you signed up for the for the um, the the, scho- the sponsorship? Yes, 
Yeah. Uh, well, no, it's a simple answer. Uh, well, it's it's difficult, isn't it, Grace? I think it's really difficult when you don't know know an organisation very well um, to really imagine yourself in it and know whether it's for you. And if I'm really honest, because it's now best part of 30 years ago, I didn't really know what I was joining. What I did know, and I think this is as true today as it was 30 years ago, um, what I saw that the armed forces were all about, um, I really identified with. Uh, a very, very clear sense of purpose, which was about doing good for good people, keeping them safe, looking after the nation. Um, you know, I, I, that really resonated with me. So a very clear sense of purpose. So whether it's the armed forces or another profession, um, I personally think that is one of the most important attributes of where you might want to go and have a career. Um, I think, secondly, uh, I didn't necessarily know what it was going to be like in the army, but through going through scholarship, and I then was a member of the officer training corps when I was at university, I met loads of people that were either already serving or were doing the same as me and thinking about joining. So the other thing that really clicked was that I massively enjoyed their company. I liked what they were about. I liked how they did their business. I liked that they all sort of felt a genuine sense of identity and belonging, sense of purpose. And it's a combination of those two things. Whilst I might not have really known about the structure of the army or what sort of jobs I could do over the next 30 years, I certainly didn't know that. Uh, but it was a sense of purpose uh, that I think I I resonated with and I could be proud of and the people that I met that I thought I like you I'd love to be alongside you. Yeah well obviously we have all been hit by Covid with shops just reopening and businesses trying to find a new normal. Mm. I'm glad to say it seems to be over. How have you had to deal with the Covid-19 issues both personally and professionally within the army? Yes. Um, well, like everybody else, we've kind of been wrestling with it. Um, I mean, personally, I think uh, and maybe that maybe this is specific for um, public services where we are looking after people, looking out for people, protecting them. Um, it was a very odd dynamic that I found myself in a position where I was more worried about my family and friends than I might have been worried about what I or my contemporaries might have been doing in a deployed situation. Um, which is quite an interesting, almost role reversal. Um, so I was very focused uh, in my personal life on the safety of my family and my friends. Uh, I think linked to that, particularly my sons. Um, you know, when I look at uh, well, your generation, Grace, that I think the, the impact on your ability to carry on your education um, and just be with people. Because, you know, I, I get a huge stimulus from be, being with people. And when that's taken away, that's hard. And I know that was hard for my sons. Um, but alongside all of that, huge pride. Um, you know, we always say this, don't we? When there's a disaster, actually, it's not focusing on the disaster. It's actually seeing the wonderful thing that people do around it. Um, and that I got as a genuinely feel good uh, factor around our national health service, um, what the armed forces were doing and other government departments in support of the national health service. I mean, that was a really, you know, many, many very uplifting story about what they've done to support people in times of absolute crisis. Um, so I think that was my overriding. I was a little bit consumed with my family and friends. 
Yeah. Uh, and of course, I had to do that at the same time as my work. Um, and I found that quite difficult to balance because I was very clear that it was a new leadership challenge. We weren't seeing each other face to face so much. We had to stay connected. We needed to make sure that we still uh, understood, you know, how to make sure that we uh, had situational awareness of what our outputs were, but also that people were okay. Just checking in that people were okay. You know, if I felt consumed by my family and friends, so would people that I work with. Um, so I found that the professional side, the leadership challenge was very different. I needed to work harder to stay in touch, uh, to communicate, uh, and to make sure that people were just doing okay, yeah. uh, checking in. And of course, and all of that, feeling the pressure of my family and friends worry and looking out for people, you know, that's, you know, it kind of chips away at your own resilience. Um, so I, I learned a lot. I learned a huge amount through all of that. Well, what tips would you give girls when they start to think about their careers and their future? And what would you say to those who haven't thought about a career in the military already? Mm. Uh, so I would say to, to all girls that are your sort of age, I'd say uh, go and look at all the opportunities. Um, and that is easier said than done. But sometimes it's quite hard uh, in some careers to see how you would fit in it. Um, and I think that is made harder where we have careers that are quite male dominated. So rather than you know, try and see through that, see where the opportunities are for you and go and do whatever you want. Um, and linked to that, I would say, even if you can't see the role models that are there, that doesn't mean to say you can't do it. Because what you bring, if you can't see lots of people other young girls that are perhaps joining the same profession, the strength that you bring potentially to that career is the fact that you're a bit different. Yeah. And we should celebrate that and really uh, enjoy that. Uh, and if I relate that to a career in the armed forces, um, I think maybe looking at the army when you don't know that much about it, it would be uh, it would be very easy to see more barriers than opportunities and perhaps to discount it is a potential. Um, and I would say just look for what you can do. Um, and so much has changed in my uh, my career lifespan. Um, but a young girl can now join any part of the armed, force, uh, armed forces. Um, the selection is exactly the same as our, um, uh, as our male um, friends. Uh, the, um, the reward, the recognition, the progression, it is exactly the same as my male contemporaries. Uh, and that is fabulous because there are many careers sometimes that that is not the case. Yeah. Uh, so look for the opportunities and feel good about being uh, being you. Well, I guess we always have to look for the opportunities because then if we don't look for opportunities that we maybe like, then there's no opportunities for us to have. That's right. They'll pass us by. Exactly. Yeah. Well, as I said before, when I was introducing you, you are the only female major general in the British Army right now only the second woman to hold that rank and you were the first woman to do a lot of other stuff to put that in short <laughs> you achieved quite a lot but is there anything that you still want to do either both personally or professionally uh personally i want my sons to grow up happy fit strong um and confident enough to go and do whatever they want yeah. Uh, that is probably the most important thing to me. 
which overrides everything else. Uh, I think professionally, I, I count myself extremely fortunate. I have had the best part of 30 years where I've been doing, you know, I have a very clear purpose in my mind of what, why I'm doing what I'm doing. I love the people that I work alongside and I don't I don't see that changing anytime soon. Uh, so as long as I can contribute and be a part of that, that's how much that's I want to stay doing that. Uh, and, I, and I'm really very happy. Um, and whilst I'm a full time uh, soldier, there are opportunities for um, part time soldiers. Uh, and actually, there are many serving women in the, uh, the reserve forces. And actually, there is another major general who's a reservist officer, um, uh, female officer, Celia Harvey. Uh, and together, I think we continue to see huge opportunities for us to go and contribute a bit more. Well, we at REACH are very focused on mentoring. Did you have any mentors when you were younger? And are there any people that you still admire? Uh, so when I first joined the army, I don't think we'd call it mentors because uh, it wasn't such a thing then. Uh, but I had plenty of uh, people that I looked to and I knew I could turn to if I needed to just to get a bit of advice or to bounce something off. Um, so I think they were there. I just didn't know they were mentors. More recently, uh, we across the armed forces have recognised the true value in mentorship, um, coaching uh, and where appropriate, some championing. Um, so in that capacity, I have both I have had both uh, role models to me. I have role, um, sorry, not role model. I have mentored um, myself. I have mentored others uh, and I have had a reverse mentor uh, so that I'm hoping that I get a broad perspective uh, to make me be a better leader than um, I might otherwise have been. Uh, and there are a huge number of people that I that I admire. Um, I mean, too many to uh, to name, if I'm honest. Um, I think if I was to sum it up, though, the people that I admire and who inspire me the most are soldiers and officers that I serve alongside. Um, because, uh, you know, they they're you know, they've got selfless commitment to what they do. Um, it's not particularly well understood outside of the armed forces. Uh, the positivity that I get from the people I work alongside is genuinely what makes me skip to work in, you know, every day. Um, and if you just look at a very recent example of op pitting where we had um, uh, members across the armed forces that deployed to both help the safe exit of UK nationals and uh, some Afghan people, um, you know, that is inspiring. Uh, they do it short notice in harm's way to protect others. Well, I read on the website Women in Combat about how, how confidence is so important to literally anyone and everyone. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you do with it? With confidence, yes. I mean, um, confidence is almost the answer to it all, isn't it? Um, uh, funny enough, when I was uh, younger, um, probably when I was about your age, I lacked self-confidence. Um, I didn't, I couldn't see uh, that I, what I was good at. Uh, I couldn't see, therefore, where I could really exploit what I was good at. 
um, and I didn't really feel very comfortable in my own skin. I just, uh, so I, I would say I lacked self-confidence. Um, what I now recognise, of course, is that, um, it's what I was saying before about, you know, see the opportunities, see how you might be able to fulfil a role in those opportunities and feel really good about what you do. And even if it's not like everybody else around you, uh, that doesn't mean to say that they're right and you're wrong. Um, now, it took me a long time to grow personal and professional confidence. Um, and sometimes uh, I feel you have to kind of put yourself in a challenging position to really know what you're capable of. Yeah. A lot of what we do in our armed forces training and education is about testing ourselves because it grows competence. We know what we're good at and what we're not good at, where the boundaries are. All of that gives you confidence. Really yeah. important. Well, you're right. Confidence is very important. And it's definitely something that we all try to achieve within ourselves. Well, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today, Sharon. Thank you so much. And I'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they're about to make in their careers. Keep listening to the Reach Next Generation podcasts as I talk to many more brilliant women. Thank you to our sponsors, Swinton Insurance, Haynes Watts, Levi Strauss and Talk Talk for their amazing and continued support.